Socrates at Bible, yeah. Um, iPad, iPhone. I'm not sure if you're going to find it on Galaxy, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you can try. Have a try. Have a try. It might come up. <laughs> the Bible might come up on Galaxy. <laughs> but welcome to everyone online as well um, uh, that's listening. We hope God blesses you, but we also hope that you can join in person at some stage and come and meet these wonderful people. Amen. Praise God. Um, Luke chapter 5, 17. I'm going to read to 26. Uh, is that 26? Yeah, 26. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. Everyone say they were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So there was power there. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fella who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking. Just look at your neighbor and say, Jesus can read your, think, your thoughts right now. Jesus. Yeah. He just, he just read your thoughts thinking about your lunch this afternoon. He read your thoughts. The Man United fans thinking about Arsenal. <laughs> like, he, yeah, yeah, he read your thoughts. He can read your thoughts. You're jealous of Arsenal. Like, and he reads your thoughts. You wish he was on top. He can read your thoughts. Pastor Kunle, he reads your thoughts. Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Say, everyone say, praise the Lord. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. May we see remarkable things in Jesus' name. Amen. It says in verse 19, when they could not find a way. Would you just look at your neighbor and say, love will find a way. Tell someone else, love will find a way. Amen. Amen. The mission statement, and I believe everyone, whether you have a written one or one in your thoughts or head, but everyone has a sense of mission about their lives, 
You may not be able to vocalize it, but if someone dig deep enough, we all have a mission statement, a reason why, of, of intent, why we believe we're here on the earth, why we do what we do, why we're motivated the way we're motivated. But if you were to ask Jesus, Jesus, what is your mission statement? What's your purpose? Why are you here? Jesus would say, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And although Jesus done lots of different things, he worked miracles, he preached the gospel, he taught parables, he restored people to life, he would still say, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen. Although he's a miracle worker, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And sometimes people get caught up in all the different attributes and the things that Jesus does, and they miss the point of Jesus. Because sometimes people flood and they just want to see miracles. But remember, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And this is in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And the reason why he said it is because of a statement they made in verse 7. He says, and all the people that saw him began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. So somehow these people had misunderstood the very mission of Jesus and the very reason for Jesus. And when they saw him with sinners, somehow they found that very strange. Why is this guy eating with these commoners? Why is he eating with these vagabonds? Why is he eating? Why is he not sitting up in high places with the higher escalons and, and stuff? Why, why is he sitting with these roughnecks? Why is he sitting with these women and guys that mm, got bad reputations? And so Jesus told some stories and concluded the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That may sound very, very simple. You think, why is he saying that? Because look, this morning, there's lots of churches that are gathered across the, the city, across the country, across the world, and they're going to come to church, saints, and lift hands, sing songs, and they don't have a clue as to what this is all about. Because most people in our Western society and across the world, they think it's all about them. They have not got a clue as to why Jesus came, why he died on that cross, why church is here. See, I've always looked at it like this, and I've said this many times. You know what? It would have been easier, I think, if you know, I got saved in prison. I don't know where you got saved, but I got saved in prison. But when I got saved, it would have been good if God would just said, right, now we've got him. Let's just kill him and rapture him and gone. Then there'll be no, there'll be no temptations, right? Like, uh, we're just gone and then we sit, we're in. Everyone say, we're in. But somehow I'm here. <laughs> and like, why am I here? Why didn't he just save us and then take us and then we're eternally secured? You know? But he's left us there. Why are we here? He's left us here because... The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that 
which was lost. He came to seek a man named David Hughes. David Hughes responded, I don't know his story, but he responded to Jesus. And when he responded, God didn't take him to heaven. God left him on the earth. And David Hughes, in his mission, when he captured the heart of Jesus, he became a prison chaplain. And it was David Hughes that came into my cell when I was 18 years old and began to introduce me to Jesus. And it was David Hughes that took me out of my cell and helped me to uh, read books and watch a film called Crossing the Switchblade, Nicky Cruz. And it was David Hughes that when I went to bed that night and I had strong convictions of God that I called the next morning and said, David, I want to give my life to Jesus. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you saved? Do you have that sense of purpose and mission that we are here to seek and to save? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Where's Jesus going? If we're following him, he's on a mission, right? And his mission is to seek and to save that which was lost. So if we're following Jesus, we should be following him into that mission. Amen? And so when we come to this story, the Bible says one day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. And of course, when we see um, Pharisees, we automatically think hypocrite, right? Because of the teachings of Jesus. These whited sepulchres, these snakes and brood of vipers. But back in the day, before Jesus said all of that, if you had seen a Pharisee, a Pharisee was someone that was very zealous for God. A Pharisee was someone that always attended the synagogue. They loved the word. A Pharisee was someone that was very um, zealous about their representation of God. They prayed much. They fasted much. The and the word Pharisee means zealous ones. These Pharisees came up between the Testaments, between um, Malachi and Matthew, um, because we don't read about them in the Old Testament. These were people that felt like Israel had abandoned the law, and they felt it was upon them to renew and restore and to get back a sense of passion and, and zeal for the things of God. So when it says the Pharisees sat there, you're talking about people that sat there very, very, very pious and felt like, man, I'm, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm not just a normal nominal Christian. I'm Pentecostal, blood-bought, spirit-filled, tongue-speaking, prophesying Christian. Like These were like the zealous ones. Everyone says zealous ones. So we had the Pharisees and we had the teachers of the law. People that taught the law. So we've got some special people here sitting in front of Jesus. And they're sitting there listening. This is the congregation that's sitting in front of Jesus. And it says something interesting. It says, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So we've got these lots of spiritual Christians sitting in front of Jesus, enjoying the deep revelation. You know, you got those folks, they just love word and deep revelation. And I'm not decrying, it's very good. They, they want to sit, they want to hear more teaching, they want more, they want more word. And they're sitting there and they're listening to Jesus. But there's power there to heal the sick. 
it's interesting, like, there's no sick there. The power's there, but there's no sick there. And they're taking up all the space, sitting there. I like it. They were sitting there. Look, everyone say, they were sitting there. <laughs> that, that, that might just seem normal to you, but it sounds like what's going on today. People just sitting there, taking up space, sitting there. While there is power to heal the sick, while there is power to save the lost, we've got people just sitting there. And then when these guys, these good friends, decided to bring their friend who was paralyzed, who was sick, and they realized that there was power there because wherever Jesus is, there is power. Wherever the presence of the Lord is, there is power to heal. There's power to save. Amen. Now, this might be an ordinary Sunday morning. Amen. But because you have worshipped Jesus, and the Bible says where we worship Jesus inhabits the praises of his people. But when he comes here, amen, in the midst of our praises, it's not just to make us feel good and go away and say worship was great. When Jesus comes among us, it's to heal and to save save and to deliver so whenever we are worshiping amen just be conscious that the power of God is there amen and it, and God is at work and he's touching hearts and he's convicting hearts and he's changing hearts Someone told me the other day, they said they came to our church, it was a New Year's night, and the Bible says and they sorry they, they told me that they cried all through the night. They were just weeping. They couldn't understand. Why am I crying so much? Why am I crying so much? At the end of the service, they committed their life to the Lord. And they've been walking zealously. Amen. Before God. Amen. Now, it wasn't the preaching that made them cry. It wasn't necessarily the worship. Maybe a combination. But I believe what it was because Jesus was there. I said Jesus was there. And we need to be like Moses and say, God, if you ain't going, I'm not going by myself. God, if you're not there, I'm not just going to do it. Because if Jesus is not here, then it's just a social gathering. We're just doing a social club. But if Jesus is here, something different is happening. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is here. There's power to heal. Where Jesus is there, there's power to save. When Jesus is there, there's power to deliver. Some of you are sitting there and Jesus is reading your thoughts. You say, why is this guy preaching so loud? <laughs> they were just sitting there. Everyone say they were the crowd. These guys were just sitting there taking up space. They were a crowd. I was thinking about the other, I was, as I was looking there, I was thinking about the other day I went to Arsenal versus Newcastle because I'm a strong Arsenal man. And was up in the, in the North Bank. Uh, was I in the North Bank? No, I was in the clock end. And there was all the crowd around me. Newcastle's um, supporters was just under me. And there was a lot going on in the crowd. And as, as I was listening to everyone in the crowd, I was just having, you know, you get revelations everywhere. And there was all of these people commenting in the crowd about everything, every mistake the footballers made. And I turned to my friend who came, who was a pastor, I said, this is like church, right? 
I mean, everybody thinks they know how to do it. You've got professionals on the football field who train and practice, who are paid thousands, millions playing football, but you've got someone in the stand that thinks that they know what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And I thought, this is church. People in the crowd commentating. I used to call my wife at one time. She don't do it anymore. I used to call her Matthew Henry. I don't know if you know who Matthew Henry is. Matthew Henry is a Bible commentator. So when I used to drive, she used to comment on my driving. But she didn't have a driving license. <laughs> so we got commentators in the crowd. In the crowd, there's lots of clamor. There's lots of noise. Everyone say there's noise. There's lots of talk. There's lots of people speaking. There's a lot of criticism in the crowd. I mean, in this particular end where I was, the language was horrible. This one behind me, I just wanted to turn to him, but I thought, nah. But you've got a lot of critiques in the crowd. You've got a lot of complainers in the crowd, amen? And you've got a lot of comparers, comparisons, people that compare in the crowd. And I thought, as I'm looking at the crowd, and Jesus is sitting in the midst of a crowd, I thought, sometimes church is like a crowd. We've got critiques in the crowd. We've got people that critique the service. It's like, that's their spiritual gift. <laughs> that is their calling in life. Every Sunday, their spiritual gift kicks in to critique the service. Mm, not sure about the worship this morning. You know, give it like 7 out of 10. They could have done better. You know, they didn't move me. Huh? Did you know the worship is not for you? <laughs> you? Do you know no one's trying to move you during the worship? What we're trying to do is move him. Look at your neighbor saying it's not about you. You're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. You're so vain. <laughs> it's not about us. We've got complainers in the crowd. Oh, gosh, sometimes believers can be so complaining. Like they complain about everything. It's too loud. It's not high enough. It's not loud enough. Uh, it's too long. It's not long. It's just like all of that goes on in a crowd, while there is power to heal because Jesus is there. And the point I'm making here is that sometimes we can miss the moment. This was a moment. The power of the Lord was present to heal. But what we've got in the crowd is Pharisees and teachers of the law that are just sitting there critiquing, muttering, thinking all sorts of thoughts. Who's this guy? But there's power to heal. Guys, in the midst of a time like now where the world is right now, our mind should be on who is Jesus wanting to save? Who is Jesus wanting to deliver? We need to pray. I used to pray this when I just got saved. I don't pray that much anymore. But I used to pray, God, give me a burden. 
Give me a burden for the lost. That when I see lost people, I see them as lost people. That no matter what car they're driving, I can look past the car and I can see a lost person. It doesn't matter what suit they're wearing, what clothes or garments they have. It doesn't matter what their Instagram status and, and pictures look like. They can look so beautiful, but you've got to see past all of that. Are they saved? Are they born again? Do they know Jesus? Seeing lost people as lost people. Amen. And so these guys came to bring um, their friend to see Jesus, but they could not get in because there was a lot of people, a lot of crowd and a lot of stuff going on. But the Bible says when they could not find a way, because they would normally go the way that everyone goes. We always go through the door, right? But when they could not go the way they usually go, because we're all creatures of habits, and the way we did it the last time, if it doesn't work that way, then we think there is no other way. But how many knows God works in all sorts of ways? And sometimes we can get stuck because we can't access the way we always access, then we give up and we think it's over. But everyone say you've got to break your habits. Amen. It's not always through the door. Sometimes you've got to go through the window. Sometimes you've got to go through the roof. Everyone say through the roof. Amen. It's not always the way you've always done it. Amen. It's not praying the way you've always prayed. There are times you've got to just change up and switch up your prayer. Amen. Now, sometimes you're praying nice, pretty prayers, but there's a time you're going to switch. <laughs> and you've got to do some warfare prayer. Amen. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes you're, you're loud and you're screaming, but sometimes God just wants you to take your time and pray specifically, quietly. Amen? It's not all the way, always the way. Not, so they broke their habitual way of always going through the door. And let me just say, Jesus was, he broke all of their rules. He never broke the law, but he broke their rules. If you think about the life of Jesus, there were so many rules that was in front of Jesus to do most of the stuff that he done. But Jesus was so maverick. He wasn't politically correct. He broke rules. Everyone shout your neighbor and say, he broke the rules. He didn't break the law. He broke the rules. Because these guys, they went up on the roof of somebody's house, could have been yours, and they began to tear up the person's house, their roof on the house. Now, we're not thinking about your house now with the nice slate roofs. We're talking about maybe mud houses or straw houses, and they're tearing this and dirt's coming down and dropping down into the service on the Pharisees and the teachers. And they're ripping up someone's house, someone's roof, because they want to access Jesus, because they want to get their friend to Jesus. They didn't give up when they couldn't get through the door. They didn't give up when the place was packed. Love will always find a way. Amen. They, they broke the very record in their head, because we all have a record that's 
I don't know if you, most of you guys are young, you don't remember records that when it used to get a scratch, it, it would just keep repeating the same thing. We've got records in our head and sometimes there's a little scratch and we just get the same repeat, repeat, repeat. But everyone say, we've got to break the records. Amen. Do you know when you break a record, you, you, you allow everyone else to break records? Do you know that? When you do something different, I'm guaranteeing you, when the people saw this guy, these guys take their friend to the roof, lowering him, and, his, and their friend getting, uh, getting uh, healed and delivered, it said to everyone else, wow, we didn't know you could do that. Because everyone thinks it has to be done a certain way. And it's one of my big hates in life. Because people look at me as a pastor, as a minister, and they expect me to behave like every other pastor or minister. But I'm not like everybody else. I said 35 years ago when I got saved, it was a Wednesday night, went in our church, and I said to myself, I read um, Romans, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And I remember walking through our church, little hall back then, and I said, I will not be conformed to the church. 35 years ago. But I will be transformed. Because I realized when I came into the church, no one was really, really evangelizing. Everyone was comfortable singing and doing their stuff. And I said, I don't want to be conformed to this. I'm going to be a soul winner. And I've always reminded myself, I will not be conformed to the church. I don't care how many people are doing it. You can walk around with 57 bodyguards, walkie-talkies all your life. I don't have to do it. I'm not saying nothing's wrong with you doing it, but I don't have to do it. Do you understand? Sometimes you think back about... Five years ago, every minister and pastor had to wear nice suits. And look at everyone now, all of them. They're all dressing like couldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they all got t-shirts and, and I think Steve Furtick broke the rules, you know. Even T.D. Jakes has got trainers on now. But there was a time when everyone thought that they had to have suits on, right? I, I'm just a bit of a rebel. I've decided to go back to suits. It's going to be a bit different. <laughs> but they broke it. Um, there's a story of the guy, Roger Bannister, 1954. He broke the four-minute mile. No one had ever done it before. They thought it could never be done. He broke them. I was watching the actual race, and Roger Bannister was talking through the race. Really, look at it on YouTube. It's quite interesting. And he broke that barrier. After he broke it, within that same year, someone else broke it. But it had not been broke. No one had ever done it before. But as soon as he did it, it's like everyone thought, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And what we need in the body of Christ, we need some Roger Bannisters. We need some people that's going to stand up and be different. We need some people that's going to stand out from the crowd and be outstanding, amen, and do something that inspires the rest of the body of Christ. You see, when David got up and chased Goliath and went after him, everyone else was in the trenches. But as soon as David killed Goliath, everyone got up out of the trenches. We need some Davids today, amen? Look at your neighbor and say, are you a David? Break the records. Love will. Love will find a way. The Bible says faith works by love. Amen. Faith, Galatians 5, 6, faith works by love. Amen. When you have faith in your heart, amen, no matter what obstacles you come up against, love will find a way for your faith, amen, to get a miracle. Love will find a way for you to win a soul to Christ. 
there was a young lady. I met her in a shop and uh, began to share Christ with her. I said, I'd love to come and share a Bible study with you, your husband, and your family. And she said, okay, you know, after some while. And so went to her house, um, knocked on the door, and there was no answer. Knocked again, no answer. But you know where you can hear, like, little feet? And you can hear whisperings and shh. <laughs> so I knew they were in the house, but they weren't answering the door. And I came from far to get to this house. So I was a little bit disappointed. She said she'd come, and I went, and I could hear them in the house, but they were pretending like they're not in the house. And I remember walking away, and I was a little bit sad, got, went down the stairs, and I got out downstairs. I thought, man, I've come all this way, wasted my whole evening, could have been doing something else. And the Holy Spirit says, just, ha- just wait around the corner. Just wait around the corner. And it was a bit strange, but I went and I just stood around the corner, out of sight. And about after five minutes, I saw the door open. Well, the door opened, and they came out on the balcony, and they looked left, and they looked right. And I jumped out. Hey! <laughs> Should have seen her face. Embarrassment on her face. Oh. <laughs> I said, can I come out? Yeah, 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 come. Went up. Invited me in. Taught her a Bible study. Her husband and her children was there. She gave her life to the Lord. Some weeks later, her husband gave his life to the Lord. Then her children, her two sons, gave their life to the Lord. This lady had been abused by her own father, had a child for her own father, amen. And she, it was very difficult to disciple her. There was just lots of stuff going on, didn't understand it. But when we dug, we realized there was some trauma there with her father. Spoke her through, helped her through, prayed her through, till she felt strength enough to go and confront the father and forgive him. Went along with her, that happened. After that, he broke down crying, repented, and gave his life to the Lord. He had got married, he gave his life to the Lord. This girl's um, sister gave her life to the Lord. I'm telling you, a whole lot of people got saved. You know why? Love will find I'm telling you, there is an excitement, guys, in bringing people before Jesus. If we're going to bring people to Jesus, we can't just do it the way we've always done it. Amen. There's got to be another way. Amen. Yes, if you give a flyer or a track, that may not work, but you're going to try every way possible to bring someone to Jesus, whether it's your friends, your work colleagues, because sometimes people just don't step outside of the box. I mean, it would be great. Going to your work, colleague, can I take you to lunch this afternoon? It may cost you 15 pounds, but in that time you can get talking to somebody and you can introduce Jesus. You can share your testimony and you can bring them to the Lord. But most of us think, no, 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 we've got to wait 50 years to get them to come to church. Take them to church in a restaurant. Take them to church in Starbucks. Amen. Love will find a way to reach people for Jesus. You know what I got from this, and I'm I'm done. I got from this is that there was lots of crowds there. The Pharisees was there, and the teachers of the laws was there. The pious theologians was there. What I got is that the church today is filled with a whole lot of people like that. People that just come, sit, and look at Jesus performing. Amen. But what Jesus is needing is people like these friends. Amen. They have a burden for the loss. They recognize that there's power to save, and they will bring their friends and they'll bring their relatives 
They'll bring their work colleagues. When they're on the bus, they will find a way to share the gospel. When they're on the train, they will find a way to share the gospel. Wherever they are, they'll find a way to share the gospel of Jesus. Because love will find a way. I'm closing. My goal this year, my goal this year, there's other things I need, but my goal this year is to bring people personally to Jesus. I gave God a particular number. I said, God, I'm not even talking about preaching because this year I'm I'm believing God that we'll see people walk the aisle and we'll see people give their life to the Lord. But I'm saying, God, during the week, wherever I am, if I'm in Starbucks, Costa, if I go and watch Arsenal, wherever I am, Amen. I want to get myself in position to find a way to share the gospel and bring the lost to Jesus. And I will break every rule possible. I'll break every barrier possible because there's always barriers in bringing people to Jesus. And but we must not allow the barriers to stop us. Couldn't we be like these friends that will climb up upon a roof, that will rip open whatever, break open whatever, break their habits, break the rules, break whatever up, and bring and lower their friends, that the power of God may be able to heal them. Can I ask you this year to break out of your routines, to break out of just doing what you've always done. Because if we keep doing what we've always done, we're going to just keep getting what we've always got. Can I ask you to make the lost a priority in your life this year? Yeah, it's nice sitting there listening to Jesus teach. But come on, there's power there to heal. We've got to bring people to hear this wonderful good news of Jesus. Would you stand with me right now? There was lots of barriers that God would have faced in bringing salvation to your life. Lots and lots of barriers. Physical barriers, cultural barriers, spiritual barriers. But you know what? Love found a way. God robed himself in human flesh. Came among us, knowing that he was going to be spat upon, knowing that he was going to be beaten, knowing he was going to be crucified. But you know what? Love will find a way. They're going to hang you on a cross, but, you know, I'll find a way. They're going to pierce you. They're going to whip you. They're going to mutilate your human flesh. But love will find a way. Do you know what God went through to save you? Love found, found a way to bring you out. Some of you got some powerful testimonies in this place of how God found you. He found you because love always finds a way. Can I ask you, will you allow love to find a way to reach someone? Love always goes out of its way. Love breaks rules. It breaks social rules. I know it's funny just talking to strangers on the bus and the train. But break that rule. There's no written rule. There's nothing that says. I mean, I read on the, st- on the, on the train that it's an offense to rub up against someone on the train like it's sexual harassment, right? But there's no sign that says you can't talk to someone. So why everyone on the train just stuck in their world with their AirPods in, in their newspapers and reading whatever, no one's talking to each other. I'm one of them ones, hello, how are you? And like, the, me, you talking to me? Yeah, yeah, you, how are you? And strike a conversation with someone. 
Look at your neighbor and say, break the rules. Love will find a way. If you're here today, and this 2023, 2023, you just want to, in your spiritual journey, your spiritual adventure with God, you just don't want it to be the same as last year. You want it to be different. And there's some things you're just going to have to break out of habits, break out of, just break through some stuff to get to the place where you can, I'm, I'm telling you, there is the, uh, when you see someone giving their life to Jesus and you brought them, there is no greater joy. Nothing compares to that. So if you're here today and you just want to be one of them people this year, 2023, that you say, I want to personally bring someone to experience salvation in 2023. I want to pray with you today. I'll pray over you. So I'm going to invite you to come say, today, God, I want, I'll break whatever. Love, my love will find a way. Just leave where we are.